and welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, aka Verum, and with me as always is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. How's it going? Oh, well, 2023, we're rolling, so oh, yes. things are good. Yeah. <laughs> state state testing is over. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a lull right now before I gear up for uh, spring testing. So things are good right now. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I work at a church, as you know, so we're gearing up for all of our Christmas Eve services. Because as as of this recording, they are about to start in a few days. So yeah, it's going to be busy. Going to have lots of people coming to church and uh hearing the good news of the gospel so it's always a good time uh to invite people that you know to a christmas eve service so wherever you're listening from if you're going to a christmas eve service invite someone you know and family members or friends or you know somebody who might be on the fence about jesus and you know one of the one of these services might be the thing that spurs them on to a new relationship with god so that's my encouragement to uh in the spirit of, as we always say, share the gospel with somebody every week, uh, that's an easy way to take someone to an event where they will play, play, plainly hear the gospel spoken. I would hope so, if it's if, there's, if it's a Christmas Eve service at least. So, yes. And if you're listening to this in January when it drops, you will have like a whole year to figure out who you were <laughs> yeah. bringing to church. That's right. I'm, <laughs> I'm just now remembering that these aren't coming out until January. But that's true. You have a whole year to think about next year's Christmas. Or you can just invite someone to Easter because Easter will be on the horizon in a few months. So, Or just think about Christmas for a year. Whichever true, one yeah. you prefer. Or just invite someone to church regularly just on a random weekend. So, Yep. yep. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just like completely, <laughs> completely blanked on like when this was actually coming out. So, yep. I oh was well. Like, Tyler's just jumping in on the Christmas stuff. Here we go, baby. Gabe was just letting me. Uh, uh, I don't know what would be the phrase. Like you fall on your own sword or something. He's letting me just take the hit. Uh, oh no, no, no! Look, you're you're sharing what you from the heart yeah, what you right. think people should be doing. So I I'm I'm on board with that. Christmas is just on my mind, so that's, yeah. all, that's all I got right now. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, yes, uh, make sure you go uh, follow Pages of Light on social media. If you want to see what else is happening with uh, Pages of Light, you can check out our website, pagesoflight.com, and see uh, the other podcasts and stuff that we have going on over there. And, of course, in this episode, this is going to be part two of our uh exploration into manga with vinland saga so we did uh chapters so we're doing the first hardcover book which is volume one as it was originally released so for this first uh hardcover that we have here this is chapters one through five Uh, that was the first episode and then this episode now part two is going to be chapters six through 16 which is also known as volume two so that will be this episode and i really did enjoy the uh first half of the book and uh yeah i'm looking forward to talking about this second half because it has some uh some pretty cool scenes and some uh 
some good major themes to talk about from a biblical perspective. So, uh, did you enjoy this, uh, your first foray into the manga world with this, uh, with Vinland Saga? Yeah, as I, um, yeah, I would say so. It's, um, you know, I held my book up here and it's because this is, I think the first physical book that I've read for the podcast. So it's kind of a special place in my heart, we got the Vinland Saga, book one. Yeah. Vol- volumes one and two in the book. So, um, <clears throat> yes, I enjoyed it. Yes, it was a good, like, uh, way to get into reading. So, like, if you're listening and you're not, like, a big reader, I think that this is a great way to get in. Because, I mean, reading a graphic, well, a manga and graphic novel are pretty close. Um, yep. And, and so I feel like this is great because it tells a good story. It's, you know... Uh, it's nice to have like the animations to help your brain kind of process what's going on and um, yeah not yep. not too difficult I think Tyler and I both poured like less than 10 hours less than eight hours into the book and we were able to finish it so um, yep it's definitely definitely a good entry point if you're like on the fence about getting back into reading so I yep. can recommend it in that way yeah for sure I have a lot of um, I used to do a lot of comic books comic book videos on the channel so if you go back and look at some of our older videos then you'll see a bunch of comic book reviews that I did and uh, there's one in particular that I really enjoyed it's called uh, The Last God book one of the Fellspire Chronicles and uh, I did a video about that whenever the hardcover release came out so if you like if you're a big fan of like Game of Thrones and like dark fantasy, then that would be a really good uh, book, comic, slash graphic novel to check out. It's a it's a good read. So that's my nice. plug. I'll put a link to my video somewhere up there and in <laughs> the description. Um, yes. All right, that's enough preamble. Let's jump into the content we have. So we're going to start off, of course, with our favorite quote. And so I guess I'll start. Uh, so my favorite quote was on page 436 of this book. It's actually weird because as you read this, like it'll go through spurts where there's no page numbers. And so you have to like kind of hunt to figure out what the actual page of the book is because it like lists the page numbers and then there's like images that cover up the page numbers for a while. And then, so you might not know which page it is. So you might have to like look at the last page number and then count to where the actual page number would be. So that's just, and I just noticed like in the second half of the book, like they have like the end of a chapter, like in the margin, like at the spine of the book. Right. Yeah. And I didn't even notice that until like I was at chapter like nine or 10 or something. I was like, yep. Oh, they even have like that thing. And it's just kind of hiding down there. Yep. It is. It does feel very seamless and they kind of hide, hide like the breaks in the story almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, but anyways, my favorite quote is uh, towards the very end of the story. Um, so I'm assuming if you're listening to this that you've already read Vinland Saga. So spo- spoilers ahead. We don't really give spoiler warnings anymore because we just assume that if you're here for a long-form discussion about a particular book, you probably have already read it. Um, or or you're just, you just like listening to you like listening to our podcast, which we also that's true, yeah. <laughs> um, or you just don't care about spoilers, so and that's fine. Yep. Uh, but anyways, this is the at the very end of the book, 
And this is after Thorfinn's father has been killed. And Thorfinn is like, he's basically talking to himself. Um, and he's like trying to make sense in his head what just happened to his dad and so he says father is dead father who was too big and who was too big and strong he was shot full of arrows and died why did he give up his sword a warrior doesn't need a sword that's not true at all and yeah i just like this quote because just that last kind of phrase like him because he is imagining his father as this really powerful warrior and someone who you know, like doesn't, he's not like a pushover. Like he won't let people run him over and he like, he stands up for himself and he actually just saw that happen for multiple chapters throughout the book as he was beating up a bunch of people and he won a duel against a good swordsman and all of this stuff. And then he throws away his sword at the very end. And that like, that like does not compute for Thorfinn. Like he like, it almost like breaks his brain and he's kind of in like a, if you see the image of if you if you have the book and you see like his facial expressions he's in like this weird like fever dream like he's kind of going insane almost um and this is where uh yeah he's just has he's having like a rough time figuring out in his mind what is happening and i found a few bible passages here just about um oh yeah gabe's got a his 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 crazy eyes and some oh, nice yeah. and some nice swear words there. <laughs> Sorry oh. if you're. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, didn't even think about that. He. Uh... That, I will say that there is more swearing in this book than our normal selection of books. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed that on like page like three or four. I was like, oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be swearing, and that's okay. It's not like they draw a lot of attention to it though, so it's yeah. kind of just like. Like it's, I just did. Excuse me, everybody. Excuse me. <laughs> That's funny. You were trying to you're trying to find his uh, his crazy eyes. That's what you're trying he, to find. Yeah, I, I, and I found them. He does have the crazy <laughs> eyes. They do a good job of drawing his crazy eyes. Yes. Um, yeah, but I I like this quote because it's just so Thorfinn has this idea of what a warrior is supposed to be, and. Thor's has a different idea of what a warrior is supposed to be. And so, uh, like uh, thinking about this from a biblical perspective, you know, we're supposed to, uh, like turn the other cheek and it's not, I don't, I want to be careful cause you don't want to say like, you should always like just be a pushover and let people bully you. And, um, you know what I mean? Like, but there's definitely a time to, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm kind of trying to think about, like what I want to say with this. Cause it's, well, I, I think it's like, it, it, you know, it takes discernment and wisdom to understand how to respond in a certain situation. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, as Christians, there is like a truth, um, that we need to stand up and, and proclaim. Um, and yes, and it's often difficult to react the right way. And, and part of it, if you're reacting to something, you're probably not putting a lot of thought into it. You want to respond to situations and not react to situations. Um, right. Because in that, in that moment between a reaction and a response, like you have choice. Like if you react, you're not giving yourself the option to, you're just letting your emotions run away with you. Um, Right. And so you want to respond to situations. And I think what you're saying is 
that um like we we don't fully understand like where you know the bible would support us standing up for our rights you know by physically defending ourselves and you know we're not teachers on the bible and we don't um we haven't fully wrapped our heads around that yet but i mean um we are we are young in our million year (laughs) walk with god so you know we'll um and beyond so we we'll figure it out somewhere along the line and we'll share it with you hopefully yeah but i do think there is this kind of truth of like as a christian you're not necessarily called to be a physical warrior you're called to be like a soldier in god's army and you're fighting in a different battle than one physically here on earth and like i think of the like the missionaries who are killed overseas just for being Christians and you know, they're not, they're not taking up arms against the people that they're against the rulers of those nations who want to do harm against them. If they get captured and are imprisoned, you know, like they go out boldly and proclaiming the, the name of Jesus and they're not doing it with a sword, but they're doing it with the name of Jesus. And so, um, there's this passage from Hebrews, it's uh, Hebrews 4, 14, and it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, so just that first section, like the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's so, like the word of God is like our form of a sword, and we don't Correct. have we don't have physical swords that we are using to... Uh, you know, defeat our enemies because um, our our battle is in a spiritual sense and it's uh, against principalities as that passage. I can't remember where that passage is against principalities and spirits or something. I think Paul says something about it. Um, and then this also leads into the passage in Ephesians about the armor of God, which is six sixteen through 18. And it says, in all circumstances, take, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So again, there's that, you know, we're having shields of faith. We're having uh, helmets of salvation, swords of the spirit, which is the word of God. So these are things that are not physical, uh, armaments that we're using against people um and there's just like as i was trying like stumbling through the beginning of that like trying to wrap my head about like how i wanted to 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 talk about this um like even like thorfinn doesn't understand and like even we it's hard for us to think like how do we use the word of god as a sword here physically in the world because in our minds like if you're not defending yourself physically then you're just going to be you're going to be destroyed and then that's the end of you. Um, but yeah, again, it's just kind of hard to wrap your head around from a human standpoint of being sure. a warrior in God's army instead of a warrior in, you know, some physical army here on earth. So I like yeah. the way that you described, uh, the quotes. I like your scripture that you chose for this. And, uh, when you read the Hebrews, I immediately thought of Ephesians, um, and how, you know, your sword is like, um, God's word and that's just a call like people who are deep in their walk with Christ and know scripture very well they know how to respond in situations because they have they can quote 
the words of God to you. And what's right. that saying is like, it can cut someone to the heart if you understand like, see the world really kind of like pollutes and confuses issues and like um, if you know the word of God and if you become discerning, like you can cut to the heart of an issue and find the right words that are biblical and you can say those to people and it will resonate and it will and be, it'll cause them to step back and be like, you know, oh, like this right. is a new way of thinking about things like I never considered that before. And I know. I know that I've done that like on a few occasions and it wasn't like adversarial. It was just like, you know, I was talking to someone about following God and like, she's like, I just got the chills right now. It's like, obviously that yep. resonated with her on like an emotional level. Yep. And then, um, I also had this kid one time that I was a substitute teacher for. And I said, um, hubris isn't flattering to him and uh because he was just kind of being a little like loud and boisterous in class and then like a year later when i was still substituting he like saw me in the hallway and like came up and talked to me for a second but i just feel like sometimes i say the right things at the right time and it really like causes people to like sit up and pay attention um and and I think that's, you know, all good things come from God. So hopefully I'm channeling some some uh, godly things that I can share with others. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I just to go back to your your quotes, I, I immediately thought of the uh, the the sword and how we are able to use that if we follow God's words. So right. thank you for sharing the scripture, Tyler. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that was mine. Uh, that was my favorite quote. What uh, What do you have for us there? So yeah, uh, my favorite quote is kind of between two characters. Uh, it's between Thor's and his son Thorfinn's, and um, he says, "Who are you going to kill with that sword?" And like you know, the little kid is like enemies, and he's like, "And who are your enemies?" Half Dan, maybe. Listen to me, Thorfins. You have no enemies. No one has any enemies. There is no one that you should hurt. Um, I like this quote because I feel like... Well, I feel like we do not have enemies. Like, I... I mean, there are people that... I dislike there are people who dislike me I mean that that's a reality but a lot of people take that and they villainize people mm-hmm. and they like are like oh that person's out to get me and like all this stuff and like I feel like the cases of that actually happening are like incredibly low like where someone is spending their hours and their days and their weeks plotting your downfall like that is what an enemy would do. Like right. I do not want you to succeed in any sort of way. How can I block you? How can you know? Like yep. And I'm not saying that those people don't exist, but I'm just saying that I feel like some people with some personalities identify others as enemies and then they lock onto that and then they kind of go into this like negativity cycle which just kind of like amplifies the situation and I'm like right I, like 
like I said, I have people that I don't like and that don't like me, but I really don't think that I have any enemies. Right. Except for the enemy, Satan, you know, like yes. the true enemy. Um, but people look around them a lot of times and they see they have fear of uh, like and a lot of suspicion. I'm a very trusting person. <laughs> I have worked in Pittsburgh for years and like I like I'm I don't lock my car. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I am not. I, I like right. just don't. I don't lock my car. And like, I'm just. This is not. not ga- this is it. not Gabe giving advice about parking in Pittsburgh, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm at a school <laughs> like, but I mean, I, I worked at like Central Catholic. I'm not worried about the parking lots. And maybe I should have been. I don't know. I'm just I'm just more of a trusting person. And I'm not saying <laughs> like. I'm going off on a tangent, so I'm just going to <laughs> shut the, gonna shut that down and cut and yourself just, off. Cut myself off and just say, I think people see enemies where there are none, right. and I think that leads to negativity. And I thought this was a good quote to bring that up. Yeah, and I think also if you're like branding somebody as an enemy, like that almost gives you like a like a free pass or a justification to do things against them that you wouldn't do otherwise you know what i mean or to like you can treat them in a certain way because they're your enemy not because you have any other good reason to um and you're also it's like you're 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 maybe putting them like down a peg in terms of god's creation like that's that's a living human being who is created in the image of god and you know if you're trying to brand someone as an enemy like you're you're almost like um like you're giving yourself a a way to treat them in a way that you shouldn't treat them. Um, if you saw them the way that God sees them. Um, mm-hmm. again, this is not to say that, um, you know, like there's never like, there's not, there, there are people who are going to have like ill will against you. Um, and there are times to stand up for yourself and, you know, Satan does have control of this world and he is controlling, uh, people who are doing things in the world that are against God and we should stand up against those people. And, you know, those, like Gabe said, like that's the true enemy. So things that Satan is doing and controlling, um, we should be against those things, but we shouldn't inherently like just be against people because we don't like them for some reason, or they slighted us at some point in our life. And now we're holding a grudge, like branding them as our enemy because we're just mad at them for something. Um, Which is unbiblical because we yes. are called to forgive seventy times seven, right? Number of times. Yes. But yeah, I mean that that's a that's a good quote, and uh, again, that's one of those things where, uh, like God, like Jesus says, we're supposed to turn the other cheek, and that's just countercultural because we want to have justice, and I think we talked about this in the last episode. Or maybe we talked about it in one of the Crimson Campaign episodes about um, Tamas trying to get his revenge and justice on uh, Nick Slaus. And same with Thorfinn trying to get his revenge and justice against Askeladd in this book. Um, so justice is for the Lord and not for us. And you may or may not be satisfied if you get that justice in the end. Um, it might just be it might be hollow. So that's the good word. Right. Cool. Yeah. Good quote and a good discussion around those. Um, if you guys have a favorite quote from this section of the book, leave it down in the comments. We'd love to 
chat with you about it. And yeah, very good. Let's just uh, jump into some book discussion now. So I've broken down the this half of the or this volume of Vinland Saga into four different sections. So we have chapters six through eight, which is like final preparations on in their little village there before they leave. And then we have chapters nine and ten, which is the journey to the Faroe Islands. I think that's how you pronounce that. And then we have chapters 11 through 12, which is essentially Thor's beating up on some brigands. And uh, <laughs> we found the word, we liked the word brigands because it was about, uh, what was the definition again? It was it's like people who like attack and ambush in like forests and, and mountains. mountains, right? Which is essentially the exact same thing that happens here. So yeah, like Brig- cliffs are kind of mountains, right? Yeah, that's that makes sense. So from a higher higher place high vantage point like this is like a like the specificity of this word is great Um, right so um, thor's is going to beat up on some brigands and then the last section is thor's versus Askeladd and their duel and then the very end of the story so those are the four sections were you gonna uh say something there gabe yeah, um, just before we get into the first part, I just want to kind of remind people where we left off. Um, All right, good. You, you know, at the beginning of the book, we have um, Thorfinn's as an adult working for Askeladd and then needing the duel. And now we are traveling back in time and finding out why he wants to duel Askeladd. And we're in his home village. And uh, Floki, uh, the name of... Um, the Jom Jom Joms Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. Joms Vikings is there and he's meeting Thors and he's demanding that he, you know, rally his troops and join right. this battle that's brewing. Um and that is where volume one closes and we are gonna pick up with volume two. And I'll turn it over to Tyler to take us away. Right. Yeah, so basically the this section opens up and they're kind of finishing their conversation, Thor's and Floki. And, um, Thor's is like, does not really want to get involved in their wars. He wants to stay in his village because he's trying to leave the battlefield behind as we learn a little bit later in the story. Um, but eventually he kind of agrees because it seems clear that if he doesn't do what they say, they're going to like come back and mess with the people of the village probably killing people so he doesn't want the people in the village to be um hurt and so what he's going to do is he's going to just go um he's going to go and he's going to do what he needs to do uh to keep his the people in his village safe and so they all the joms vikings people they pack up and leave and then he makes this like big announcement at the end before he leaves the the floki guy he's like Thor's is going to go off to war and he's going to bring us, he's going to bring a long ship and anyone who wants to join him is welcome or whatever. And so then they get on their boat and they, uh, they travel away and there's, um, uh, an image here on page 234. This is right after they leave. And there's just this image of Thor's. I'm going to bring this up and see if you guys can see it. Feel focus there. So yeah, you can see on the, uh, the image there where everybody around him is cheering and ha- and being really happy because there's a war that's going to about to be happen. And Thor's is like just holding his head in despair. And he, cause this is kind of like, uh, 
there's a major theme in this book, um, which is really just focused on this section here, and then a little bit towards the uh, the very end, where all of the young, like the reality of war, and like all of the young men are super excited about war because they want to, you know, get the glory and they want to have like make a name for themselves and all of this kind of stuff. When they think that it's, um, you know, it's it's exciting to go to war, but Thor's who's you know, a battle hardened veteran of war, as we find out in a second, he understands the reality and the brutality of war. And so you can see the difference between the people who've never been to war and their reaction and the people who have been to war and their reaction when they know that a war is coming. So I just really like that, that panel of, uh, of the art there, just depicting the different, the different reactions to how, war is perceived among different people so yeah it's very romanticized among like the young kids in the thing like oh yeah i'm gonna go off and get like my loot and i'm gonna slay the enemy and i'm gonna come back victorious and then thor's is just like oh you don't even know yeah (laughs) because yeah all the kids are always like playing war and they're like that's that's their that's their play in their game is they play war against each other but kids play war is completely opposite from actual real war. And yeah, it's just, and some of the kids will get a life or loved ones. (laughs) Right. Um, but speaking of play war, so the, the Jama's Vikings leave and, uh, they're getting out the longboat because they're getting ready to travel. And, uh, the kids are playing play war. They're playing their game of war as they do. Um, they're probably super excited about the real war that they were like, oh, we have to go play fake war now. Let's just practice. And so all of the kids are getting their spears with their little, what do they put on those things? Like little, they look like they have little tennis balls on the tops of their, their fake spears so they don't <laughs> ding each other. And, uh, yeah. but Thorfinn, uh, this is the, uh, would you say this is the first appearance of the crazy eyes of Thorfinn? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Page 430. Uh, 242 Thorfinn's got his uh, sword and shield and he's just like he is wailing on these kids and he does not care about hurting them at all and so all the kids are really mad at him because he's not playing fairly essentially and so yeah it's just like Thorfinn is ready to go to war as you can see so Mm -hmm. and then we have like the next chapter we have some more stuff like he hurts Thorfinn hurts one of the kids and uh, they bring him to Thor's because Thor's is like a a, uh, a soldier medic so he's he's seen a lot of battle wounds in his day so he can patch people up pretty good and he finds out that Thorfinn was the one who has been beating up on the kids and uh, then we go back to uh, Thorfinn so Thorfinn is. He doesn't like his play sword essentially, and so he wants to go find real swords because he wants to, uh, he wants to kill people. As this is the section where we had Gabe's quote, where uh, Thorfinn wants to get real swords so he can have real war, and Thor's is like, "You're not gonna have any real wars because you have no real enemies." And so we have that scene with Gabe's uh, quote, which is a really great scene. And this doesn't make any sense to Thorfinn. Um, there's an interesting scene here. He says, uh, 
He's yeah. He so he ends this conversation. He says, "There's no one that you should hurt." And then Thorfinn says, that doesn't make any sense. You're going off to battle tomorrow. You're going to kill enemies. Don't treat me like a child. Even I can tell when you're lying to me. And so this is, uh, yeah, I just liked this scene. Like Thorfinn's trying to, Thorf, or Thor is just trying to teach his son Thorfinn like the ideals and what you should be aspiring to. But Thorfinn is kind of just looking at like what people actually do. And so he knows that Thor's is going off to battle, but Thor's is only doing it because he has to, not because he wants to. And so it's just hard. Like, put yourself in Thor's position. Like, how would you explain to your... How old is he? Like, 10 in this in this scene? Something mm-hmm. like that? How would you explain that you're not supposed to... Like, I'm going to go off and kill enemies, but you have to stay here and you can't kill enemies. Um, and so in his mind, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that scene? I know it was, it was from your quote, so we already kind of talked about it. But just like as a father, like teaching your kids like the way you I, I should act versus how people actually act, maybe. Um, I think that um, one of the, like some of the best advice that I got from our re-engage group was um, be like everything to like your kids that you want their future spouse to be mm-hmm. um and so like if you know if that's what you believe thor's isn't really in this position where he can say no like if he says no like right. they're you know the consequences to everyone else and i mean that's like reality too like if you say no to something like there might be consequences i think of people who are like running in gangs and stuff and like if they say right. no like there there's like potential loss there um and in that case like um it's you know you i feel like you almost have to completely remove yourself from like the geographical area to kind of extricate yourself from that grip mm-hmm. of, yep. of that people um but yeah thor's knows that if he stays then there will be the Joms Viking returning with murder on their minds. So he, he's kind of feels like he's obligated. So, um, I think the best thing is to walk the walk, um, do as I do lead by example, not do as I say, um, because it always makes you look wishy washy if you can't even follow up on the things that you're asking your kids to do. Um, so, and it's so interesting to like be walking through this with my daughter and like, like seeing the behavior that I don't want in her and like explaining how um, how she should be framing it in her brain uh, and to kind of like coax the right like response out of her. And she she responds beautifully like ah, this. My child has such a like a Holy Spirit, like guiding her like all the time. Like I just feel like. She is learning like important life lessons, even at three and a half years old, like discerning, like, um, you know, (laughs) like when, when something appropriate to do and when it's not. And like, like she's learning delayed gratification. Like if we do this, then we can't do that. So let's do this now sort of things. And it's, um, you know, if I'm more organized for my second child, I'll try and be like, um, Piaget, who studied his three uh, kids in their stages of cognitive development, which is like sensory motor, 
pre-operational, concrete operational, and formal operational, formal operational happening around like 12 years old where they develop like abstract thought and like sensory motor being the first uh, zero to one. My kids lovingly called it the eat, sleep, and poop phase of, of life where that's literally yep. all you can do. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a large gap between that phase of life and then like the formal operational stage where you like starting to un- understand abstract concepts like anarchy, um, you know, like, um, so yeah, so it was fun to have like my foundation in developmental psychology as an AP psych teacher. And then like seeing, you know, my daughter develop object permanence, like, Oh, if it's under the blanket, like it still exists, it doesn't right. disappear from the universe and just yep. watching those cognitive stages as she like ticks through them. Um, yep. very, very, very interesting. Yeah. Side quest complete. <laughs> Piaget side quest. <laughs> nice. We did it. We came back. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, sorry. Continue. Yes. Continue. Thorfinn's. So yeah. Thor, Thorfinn's kind of mad. And so he runs off and he's like hiding essentially. And, um, then we get some kind of scenes at the very end of this section where, uh, people are saying their farewells. There's like a botched marriage proposal by what's this guy's name? Ari, I think his name is. He tries to like propose to Thor's daughter and, uh, he kind of messes it up because his mom comes in and like ruins it for him. So that was just, that was kind of a funny scene. And so at the very end, that's so anime of like, like the guy, like there's always like some guy girl interaction and the guy's always like bumbling and like, uh, or like one of them is, they like, don't know. They're all like super awkward to the other person. Who's like, I'm cool. Like, why are you acting like this? (laughs) Yep. Very tropey. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, so at the end here, Thorfinn is, or Thor's is calling for Thorfinn because he's about to leave on the boat and he hasn't said goodbye to his son. And the last thing that happened was they were uh, mad at each other. So Thor's wants to say goodbye and he's not able to because they can't find Thorfinn. And so they go off on the boat and they're rowing and they're going. So they're taking two boats. There's one for Leif Erikson and then another one that is Thor's longboat which we find out later they can only use that longboat because Thor's rose with the strength of like five men or something like that. So they say that later in the book, right? Which is cool. And, uh, so they get a little ways out into the water and then, uh, out pops Thorfinn because he's been hiding in a, in a barrel the whole time and he's been hiding in there so long and he's been holding his pee in so long that he has to run out and, uh, take a whiz off the side of the boat. <laughs> yeah. so that's basically where we end the end the scene, and uh, he's like super happy. It's like it's the sea, and then they're kind of they've kind of reconciled, father and son, at this point. It seems like so. There you go. That's that yeah. section. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's interesting how Thor's is just like you, little imp. And he's like so mad, and then like later right. he's like, "Ah, oh, well, these are the cards that have been dealt." So, right. Um, all right, so I'm gonna pick up the story in chapter nine, a trap in distant seas, and so this is the part of the um, the story where we kind of go 
to a new perspective, um, which is mm-hmm. Askeladd and Floki's perspective on the situation in the past. Because um, we, we have, you know, seen development on Askeladd, but um, this is kind of like, this is information unknown to Thor's or Leif Erikson or Thorfinn's. And so we open up with these raging seas in the North Atlantic Ocean and the Faroe Islands. Um, and there's a monk uh, with like a chain like and a cross around his neck. And he's tied to a post and, and Askeladd's men are just wailing axes at him and like making fun of him. And they're like, where's your lord now? Um, and, you know, this man's in life-threatening danger. And they're just like... They're just drinking and carrying on and, like, threatening this guy's life, which seems very Viking to do. Like, I would yes. see that. And then the juxtaposition are the Jom Vikings who are wearing their uniforms. They are standing straight. They are holding their spears. They're looking very organized. Yeah. Uh, whereas Askeladd's men are just, um, they're just brigands. They're, like, drinking out of the, uh, <laughs> the cask of wine and ale. Um, and that's kind of the opening scene. And then we get to the real part of this, the meat of the chapter, which is the Floki and Askeladd conversation, um, where, um, Floki wants Thor's killed for deserting, um, the John Viking. How many years ago is it? Is it like, it was like 15 or something. Yeah, it was like 15 years ago that um, he deserted. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Yeah. And so it's about a negotiation. And um, it, it's just kind of this, like, Askeladd is very, like, nonchalant. That's the word I want to use. Like, he's just, like, leaning back in his chair, sipping on some wine. Yeah. And Floki is like, you need to kill him. And he's like, and uh, Askeladd is like being all nonchalant. And I really like the artwork in here. Uh, What page is this? Uh, 298. I like this whole scene. It's nonverbal communication. I like how it just ends with like this glare. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was funny. I I like when they use like the onomatopoeia, like glare. Yeah. Or stare. I always find that funny. Because Ask Askelot is asking for double the amount that Floki was gonna give him, so he's like, Are you kidding me? We're gonna have mm. a stare down. <laughs> yep. And then this spear enters the tent where they're conversing. And uh it cut it passes like within inches of both of their faces. Um and he's like, oh, you, you keep it down out there, you scamp, Askeladd says to, you know. The, the word scamp just, it's just. Uh, Is that what he called him, like, scamp? I, th- I think he did call him Oh, yeah, scamp. he said, you scamps almost hit me. Yeah, that's true. He did say that word. I just, I just find that word interesting. I feel like I should use it, but I also feel like it's demeaning to whoever you're like. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a fully developed person. I don't have to look up to the definition of scamp. I don't remember what that yeah. would be. Um, but anyway, it's revealed that um, they kind of were... They they knew that Floki had a man up his sleeve to... I don't, I don't know. I think we discussed that if it like... If the conversation went sideways, he'd attack Askeladd. But after Askeladd leaves the tent, 
Floki reveals that the spear went right through one of his warriors and killed them, like, basically instantly. Yep. And Floki's like, hmm, they're, they're more than just talk. Yep. Um, so back on the ship, um, so we're going to move forward and we're back with Thor's. Uh, he is delivering a sound spanking to Thorfinn's for sneaking onto the boat. So uh, <laughs> this is this is part of, uh, you know... Don't spare the rod. I don't know if we can totally justify this. Um, yeah. We, we don't... We have decided we're not going to, you know, spank our kids. Uh, we are just going to try and use effective timeout situations and find punishments that um, don't involve hitting our kids. So yeah. that's the way... Um, I don't know biblically what it says, but that's just the approach that um, my wife and I as educators, we... We're, yeah. we're, we're both just very much on the same page. We've worked with a lot of kids and like, this is something that we are, that we can do. And that's right. what we've chosen to do. Um, so we're on the boat and then the boys that have come on this trip, they're asking Thor about his war stories. And, um, and Thor's kind of surprised. Yep. We're going to go in a flashback and he tells them about Yilva's birth. Um, and we learned that Thor's is not the same man that he was today. Um, yeah. Like the the quote that kind of stuck out to me was, "Do all babies screech so hideously?" <laughs> and in the background, like the caretakers are like, "You have to support the head. Like you're holding the baby <laughs> wrong. Like please, <laughs> Thor's, Lord Thor's." Look at that scene. Look at him. He's oh, like, yeah. his head's gonna like fall off. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to uh, jump on YouTube to kind of see the pictures right. we're flashing yes. up on the screen. Um, so, you know, just that kind of like arrogance and like the the lack of human connection that mm, Thor's is yes. displaying in this. Um, like we see how much of a changed man he is. He's very he yeah. was very much focused on war and um, not like caring about his family and then um he responds to his wife like next time give me a son elga and um that's just again just kind of reinforcing the kind of terrible person that thor's used to be and i mean no one is on beyond redemption like like that is a theme throughout the bible god uses broken people he knows you're broken. He knows every hair on your head. You are worth something. You belong in the kingdom. Please, like, follow God. Um, yep. So don't don't let your past sins and the situations you're in now prevent you. Don't think you're going to get good enough for God because you, you think you can do it, but you can't. <laughs> you can't. You're, you're human. And, like... Yep. You just can't walk without sin. So don't I used to remember thinking like, oh, when I do this, like then I'll be ready to accept God. Just you just gotta right. do it. Just gotta jump right in. Um yeah. Oh yeah. So now we're gonna reach the Faroe Islands. Um we we have our two boats. We have Thor's boats, the long boats with the boys on it. And it is Leif Erickson by himself or does he have a crew? I can't I don't really know. Uh, no, I think he's he's got people with him. I think. Because I mean, if you if think you about, at, it, you can't you really boats, operate a boat. Yeah, there's there's people on each of the boats. So. 
Yeah. I think yeah, they have they a crew. Um, they just don't get any like cartoon time. Like you yes. just kind of see Leaf. And yes. They don't really like reveal his crew. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Leaf has been to this part, uh, to the Faroe Islands before. He's looking into the distance and he kind of notices that the houses are missing. He's like, what? What? Like, this is this is strange. Like, this isn't the same as it was last time. And he yeah. sees that these houses have been destroyed. And then, to use Tyler's very uh, astute word, the brigands spring their trap. Um, Ascalod's men throw down wood and housing Rocks. material to... Yep, uh, to prevent the two ships from leaving. So, no one is thankfully injured, but now they are trapped in a cage. And that's where I'll, uh, I'll turn over the storytelling to, to Varum. Yeah, here we go. So this is where we're going to get some action. So, they're, they're trapped, and they can't get out, so... That leaves their that leaves them no choice essentially, because um, I think at the very end of that section they're like something doesn't feel right here. We need to back up and get out of here, and so because they were making their way to turn around, that's when they sprung the trap, and so because they knew that something was off here, based on Leaf's uh, good insights because he's been there before, and so yeah, they spring their trap and then they show up with their boats. Then you have Ascalad here with all of his guys, and you know, we're gonna—they're basically gonna come and uh, come take him. And they say we're here for th- we're here for Thor's, and Thor's is gonna do his best to protect the protect all of the people on the boat because, like, he can defend himself because he's a he's a battle hardened warrior. But all the people that he's, he's with he's are basically like, like a super saiyan. He's- Right, yeah, if he's we're like gonna go. <laughs> he's a super soldier. He's he rose with the strength of five men. There was a there was a thing in at some point in this section. He's like, there's thirty guys. He's like, it's not unheard of for me. As if it was like this, I can take on thirty guys like nothing. That's no big deal for me. Um, so I just really like how in this section they really show how powerful Thor is as, as a as a warrior, and. Uh, so they they like close in on him and Thor's realized that he has to take the fight to them because he doesn't want them all the kids to kind of get into the battle and so he's gonna jump onto their boat so he like does this he does this like super leap thing and he jumps all the way onto their boat and uh right before this though they're uh one of their Ascalods like I don't know what you'd call him like one of his leader people captains or something like that uh, he's like, I'll take him on because we can we can do it. And he's eating this like weird looking mushroom thing, which is, as we find out, is a, a berserker mushroom. And so this is where some kind of little bit of the fantasy elements will find their way into the story. And so this gives the I don't know if they've did they give this guy a name? I don't remember. It doesn't really matter what his name is, but yeah, he he's like uh He's like a like a sergeant or something. He's like yeah. ab- above, like he's the boat captain maybe of this second boat that Ascalad yeah. has. Yeah. Um. So he eats his special mushroom, 
and uh, it takes some time for it to like get through his system and get him all all raged up and <laughs> and hyped up. Um, and in the, during that time, Thor's jumps over, and he just like he he jumps over and he's just like wrecking everybody on this boat. And he's not even using his sword; he's just using his fists. He's punching them, kicking them, s- snapping people's arms, like all this stuff. He's doing like everything that he can to injure them enough to where they can't fight but not kill them. So that's kind of been his MO for this whole scene. And, uh, then he gets, uh, he gets to fight the, uh, berserk man who shows up at the very end after all the rest of his men are, uh, incapacitated. Yeah. Incapacitated is a good word. Yes. And again, uh, if you're on the YouTube, you can see this. You can see like this guy's super crazy eyes <laughs> with this oh, yeah. berserker mushroom. Uh, that gives uh, Thorfinn's crazy eyes a run for its money, though. What do you? Th- <laughs> I think yeah, he might I, he might take the cake for most crazy eyes. Well, it's because um, they're bloodshot, and then like also the veins in his face are pulsating. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it is kind of creepy. Um, and like Thorfinn does this like. I love how they did this. Uh, I don't remember if I, if they, there's something and in also, here. Uh, yeah, just, go ahead. just a quick, quick note on uh, the animation of this berserker um, mushroom guy. And I think it is true that like, there is like a berserker rage for like Vikings. Like they yeah. would take wounds in battle and they would just like shrug them off and be like, we're Vikings. Like, Oh, just keep attacking. But like, in some of the animations of this guy, he basically has fangs. Like the the way they draw his teeth, they're yeah. like they are no longer human teeth. It looks like he's got sharp pointed yeah. fangs in several of the pictures. So that was just the little part I wanted to to throw out there. Yeah, it's almost like some form of like witchcraft or like transforms some of his face or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh but there's this scene where he like he does this like slight shuffle with his with his foot and his body weight. And it just shows like just the slightest movement of his and shifting of his body weight can make this like super impactful punch. And it just shows like the level of strength that Thorfinn has or that Thor's has. I keep mixing them up because they're like the same names. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just yeah. like he doesn't, he's so strong and powerful that he doesn't even need his sword to take on all these people, even the guy with the berserker mushroom who leveled up his own kind of ability and power. And he just, he just takes care of him like he's nothing. And he gives him this super massive punch. (laughs) And then he like, he gets up again. He's like, and then Thor's just like grabs his head and just like chucks him like way out into the, out into the sea. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was just a funny scene. And he, I think he lands. Oh, he lands on Askeladd's boat. He doesn't land in the sea. Um, but at this point, the boat from Askeladd has, as Thor's was distracted by the other boat, the other Askeladd's boat went up closer to the, uh, the boat with, uh, all of the kids on it. And so they're going to basically, they're going to try and capture all of them and sell them into slavery essentially. Um, cause Askeladd says like, they're worth a lot less at the market with scars and limbs missing. So like, he's basically saying like, don't try to hurt them, try to keep them as whole as possible because not because he doesn't, not because he's not, uh, 
he's fine with killing them, but he just wants to make as much money as possible. So it's more about the money than it is about not harming the kids. So just shows you where Askeladd's priorities are. And uh, even in this next section, we'll see like his priorities are for himself and for his own well-being and his own pride. And his he's not out for he's not about the honor and uh, doing the right thing. He's just in it for for selfish reasons, as we'll see. Um, but essentially, at the very end here, Thor's jumps back over uh, to the to the uh, boat with the kids, and he says, "You guys need to leave. I just <laughs> laid waste to all of your other men." And yeah, he's basically calling them out and saying, "You gotta go, or I'm gonna. You can take us all, but you'll you'll get only like half of your men. We'll get out of this alive." So that's the that's the final call for Thor's, and uh, this is where we move into the very last section of this. Uh, of the book. So now we're, we're pulling up to the, to the heavyweights. We got Thor's on one side and we've got Askeladd on the other and, and it's about to go down. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, if I'm reading this in real time, like if I had read this in real time, this would be the part where I'm like, my ears are like, well, I guess my eyes are like focusing in like, okay, this is going to happen. Like we're going to have the Thor's Askeladd like encounter. Like how's this going to go down? Um, how is Thor's going to die? Because we know Thor's is going to die and we we know it's by Askeladd's hand. Or is it? Like how how exactly right. does it transpire? So And we don't uh, know we get, if this is the time it's going to happen. Yeah, we don't. Um, we just know that there's an encounter that's about to happen between Askeladd and Thor's. Um so, you know, Thor's is like, be gone, pirates, you cannot defeat me. And he's just wiped out one of their ships without, you know, half of their forces without even unsheathing his sword. So he is definitely walking the walk here. And then the strange part is, is that we flash um, up to the archers that are kind of like at the top of the cliffs. And they have Thor's yep. in their sights. And they could just fill them full of arrows. And they're not. They're waiting for the signal, as good good troops do. Um, so uh, we have Thor saying, In the name of Almighty Odin, I seek a duel with you. I win, you leave, or you refuse, and you'll get a dozen slaves at thrice the price, or thrice the cost. Um, so this is Thor's like ultimatum to... Uh, yep to uh, Askeladd and then and then we have Thorfinn stepping up so Thorfinn's has been just watching his dad like whomping on boat one and he's about to whomp on boat two and then he just I love uh, Thorfinn's like <laughs> scene here he goes father's strong and he's gonna kill you pirates you're a big poo head and your armor looks stupid and I hate you <laughs> Thor's is like I told you to stay back. Father's not a bad guy like you. So that is uh I like the uh poop head in your armor looks stupid and I hate you comment. <laughs> I could have I could have read that better. You should um, that should have been our favorite quote. If I would go back, yeah. <laughs> that that would be my favorite quote. Yeah. Um so Thorfinn's is very much feeling justified in his stance. Like, he, you know, we've been attacked. My father is defending 
the crew and like he's shown that he's so powerful like you guys don't have a chance um so that's how he kind of feels about it um so uh the duel begins and we have Ascalot. he goes on the offensive and we kind of see you know just like when he's fighting thorfinn's earlier like Ascalot is a skilled warrior um, and he's, he's he like a, he's a he's a trickster too Oh yeah, he's, he doesn't he, win by brute force. He wins by like sleight of hand and sneaky maneuvers. Yep, and he's not opposed to using underhanded methods either. Right. Um, so he moves incredibly fast. Uh, he like destroys the crossbeam and like wrecks the ship and the mast. Um, but Thor is best Askeladd in the duel, and Askeladd's uh, second in the command jumps across the boat. Um. And so, at this point, Thor's has Askeladd, you know, at sword point, saying, I'm going to kill you. And the second-in-command responds to what Askeladd said. So, Askeladd, you know, you're having this very serious moment where his life is hanging by a thread. And Thor's could just, you know, cut his throat and kill him. And Askeladd kind of says, I was going to ask you... If you would be our leader. And there's just kind of like this silence. <laughs> and then, you know. like, this this is, again, so tropey to me. The, uh, the second in command, who I think was, like, the berserker guy, he, like, jumps across the boats. And he goes, you should know that this is no time for telling jokes! Like, I can just hear that in the anime. Like, when I read that part of it, I was just like, uh, it's so funny what they get worked up about. And they make a big thing out of. Um, well, this, this so, remember, this guy's in, like, the Berserker Mushroom Hangover. So his mind not yeah. be, might, not, might not all be there. So Yeah. I just, there's no time for telling jokes! <laughs> like... <laughs> Like that that's what you're gonna focus in on, guy. Okay, well there whatever. there is a there is an anime of this comic or ma- manga. So maybe after Can't. we get a f- maybe after we get a few uh hardcovers into the story, we'll go back and we'll watch the anime and we'll give our thoughts on it. And then we can see the All actual right. how they depict wa- this character. <laughs> I wanna I wanna see the jump and the leap and the saying <laughs> for telling jokes. I want to hear the voice acting for that part if, wanna, if it makes it. I, and I, I want to like hear it's so trumpy. It has to, I want to hear Thorfinn tell Askeladd that he's a poo head. That's a good one. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, that'll be a good one. All right, so berserker guy with like the big, you know, bruise on his forehead, you know, very easily captures Thorfinn and has a knife to his throat, and so now um, the tables have turned and. Thor's no longer has the upper hand. Um, yeah, I watched a Criminal Minds one time and they talked about how to coerce people and it's like violence, the threat of violence or threatening like a person close to the person who you want to do something. So we're in this situation where um, Thorfinn's is taken hostage and so they are able to coerce Thor's into doing what they want. So... Um, they uh, force Thor's to throw his weapon away and Askeladd gives um, a signal to the archers after this happens and Thor's is just filled full of holes Uh, we have this 
kind of art of him just standing there with um, it's like the opening of chapter 16 after he gets hit with all these arrows uh, arrows and um, Thorfinn's is like father um, and he's such a man's man because he's like pierced so many times with all the arrows and he just stands yeah. there very stolid and filled full of arrows yeah. you want to you want you want to make him a little <laughs> um <laughs> allude here to uh, your favorite it's, series it's it's a boromir death well like thor's takes it to another level because he, he's got he got pierced with like triple the arrows boromir only had three they trying to one-up my favorite book series of all time i don't know i don't know about that yeah, and and they are similar in the fact that they both take forever to die with all these arrows in them. That's true, um, and they're both saving small people. Little people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yep. We got it. Lord of the Rings basically, reference complete. Uh, I thought you were just going to say this is basically the same same thing as Lord of the Rings over here. I mean it is basically. <laughs> well, I guess they're trying um, to they're trying to paint a picture of how powerful Thoris is like it takes this many arrows and even this many arrows still isn't killing him outright you know and he's and he's not even doubled over in pain yet he's like yeah he's demand he's demanding of Askeladd that he honor his word and right um that he need like the other guy needs to drop the boy and so at this point Thor's is free and he comes over and um hugs his father and um at this point, one of the boys on the boats thinks he's going to go be a hero and try goes after oh, yeah. Askeladd. And, he just gets whipped. Yeah, Askeladd's just like, no thank you. <laughs> and delivers like a sound punch to the kid's face and he's just like, okay, yeah. well, that's, that encounter's over. Um, <clears throat> and so you know, we fade to black here and we um, come back into Thorfinn's. And then we have the reemergence of the crazy eyes, where I showed yep. it earlier with the swear words. Yeah. And so he is he is crying, he is bruised, he is uh, snot is coming out of his nose, and he's got the crazy eyes going on. He is not a happy camper, and he's saying to himself, like, you know, um, my father is dead, but he beat them. Why is father dead? Oh. And, um, excuse me. Uh, and so we, we learned that this is a boat, um, you know, cause you had Leif Erikson's boat and you have Thor, um, Thor's boat. And we learned that Thor's boat is being tugged behind, um, Askeladd's boat. They've taken it to, um, get some money out of it. And, they're all drinking and carrying on. They look back and they're like, what is that? And then there's Thorfinn standing on the bow of the boat, just like glare, you know, like earlier, like the word, the glare. Um, and he, he's just like silent and determined. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then like he's outburst. yelling. Yeah. Yeah. Then the, then the outburst comes. How dare you? How dare you kill my father? I swear I'll kill you. 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 As he slowly like goes crazy in his own brain. Yep. Um, and but, then like, but look at those he's eyes. Just, 
those eyes and then like even the crew is just like they're all sweating and like staring at this little kid they're like he's just a boy but look at those effing eyes i'm not gonna say the f word but you know <laughs> that's what they say yeah. um and he's just like he's got the crazy eyes going on and then ultimately thorfinn's is sad because he's he's lost his father yep. and then we have like the idea of vengeance and then the and then volume two closes with uh, should we just throw him overboard, Askeladd? That's the last question that's asked of Askeladd. And yep. we just see the two boats traveling into the distance, right into volume three of Vinland Saga. We did it, everybody. Book yes. one. Book one in the books. But That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I thought this was this was a great first entry uh, in this book. Um, I just lo- I loved the whole kind of arc. We get the the beginning section where we have uh, Thorfinn as he's older, and we get some scenes of what's going on, and then we get the flashback to him as a younger kid, and we get to see why he is the way he is in the present day uh, at the first ha- in the first half of the book. So it's a very good, uh, complete story and you kind of get a, it's a good setup for what's to come because you now know, um, the important backstories for a lot of the characters, um, particularly Thorfinn and Askeladd. And so, you know, why there's so much tension between those two characters. And so now we can move forward. Um, and I assume we're going to get more details about, you know, how he was, cause he's a lot older now and at the beginning of the book. Um, and so there's been years that have passed since this incident happened at the end of this book. And so I'll be interested to see, um, as we talk about like book two or like the next story predictions, like, what do you, what are you hoping to see? What do you think is going to happen? I think we're going to obviously going to get some more flashbacks about like how he was raised with Askeladd. Like, were were the uh the relationships did they heal at all where there's some kind of forgiveness and then there was like a going back on forgiveness or like you know how was the whole dynamic because it's been years so there has to have been some kind of story and events that happened during that period to where to the point where thorfinn is still out for blood versus Askeladd. um so yeah i'm just looking forward to seeing like how that whole story kind of plays out and um uh, just to see like going forward how like how how long does it take Thorfinn to get his revenge or will he ever get it um so that's those are the things that I'm interested in seeing in the next uh the next volumes here what about you yeah so um you know there's obviously like I kind of almost see and I don't know if this is true or not volume three and four being like a continuation of this part of the storyline Okay. Where we're going to see Thorfinn's as a young kid. Right. Um, but but I don't know. Like, you know, are we going to go back to, quote unquote, the present? Um, so we have a few things. One, what's going to happen when news of Thor's death reaches the village? Like, how will the village be affected? All right. Uh, is, is Half Dan going to make a move against the village? Um, what is going to happen to Thorfinn's, uh, my guess is he is going to be 
put up for slavery. Um, you know, they, they mentioned slavery right. earlier, and I think that Thorfinn's, uh, you know, he's just this kid, and he's on this boat. They're going to subdue him and, like, say, we're yep. going to sell him and make some money, and then <laughs> then that is, like, a closed case. Um I, well, still, I don't know about like, that. I, I don't know about that because I think he they were going to leave him to die. So if he doesn't die, maybe they'll just take him in. Oh yeah, maybe they maroon him or maybe like they just keep him around and say like, you know, he can't hurt anybody if he doesn't have, you know, anything and Yeah. You know, and they're all, you know, they're all seasoned warriors. They're not like the boys like they could you know that he was wailing on back at the village like um, they right. could keep keep him in line. But if he gets a knife, he will definitely hurt somebody. <laughs> well, we have to see sure. him. We have to see him training at some point. Like he's gonna get way more skilled with his blades. So yep. there's gonna have to be somebody who trains him. Is that gonna be Oscalot who trains him? Um, I, I don't know. It might just be his natural talent. Um, like, cause in in the village, he was like stepping up his game, and no one was teaching him. He was just wailing on all those kids. Right. Um, and then we have to see how, uh, like, Floki's, uh, like, are we going to get visions of Floki's war where he's fighting? Uh, I definitely think that we'll see more of the Floki Thor's, um, like, backstory be revealed because Askeladd had this right. impression as he was leaving Floki that there was something just not being told about why Floki right. wanted... Thor's dead. And so I yep. feel like maybe there's some sort of betrayal going on. Um, and right. so, yeah, those are, those are kind of the plot points uh, that I'm interested in seeing develop. And this is a nice part of the podcast because normally I'm not making predictions because That's I've true, read yeah. a lot of the books. Uh, and so this is, this is a fun part for me where I get to um, speculate. Sometimes I just, en- yeah, I, I enjoy things passively a lot where like I don't, place expectations on the next thing but because this is a specific part of the podcast where we're asking for predictions um i do like picking up plot lines and uh seeing things develop right uh i love calling the twist like two or three episodes before the season finale i'm like i got it right and then um my wife can do that too sometimes she surprises me she's like like, how did you know that um (laughs) i'm sure that she like um she, she feels the same way. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I'm interested to see what the people in the village are going to do, particularly uh, his daughter, Yilva, and his wife, Helga. Because um, I feel like Helga is a good swordsman, and she could she could wreck some people. That's, that's going to mm-hmm. be my prediction, that Helga's going to go off and do she, something. She is... She did spring from Thor's loins, so there's probably some warrior in her. No, Helga's the wife. Oh. I thought you were talking about Yilva. Yilva might do it too, but... I just felt like she was a strong female character because she's out there digging the snow and being a hardy person. But you think that Helga's got got some skills? Yeah, maybe Helga will leave, and then Yilva will be the one to lead the village or something against... Half Danner, because I feel like Yova has some leadership potential. Oh yeah, for sure. So for sure. yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that, or maybe we won't even go back to the village, and we'll never know. 
<laughs> maybe yeah. that's not even a plot line that even is explored at all. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, let's see. Those are some good predictions. Uh, let's hit on. I wanted to go over a little bit of major themes before we end the podcast. Um, so we already kind of talked about the reality of war and just like the difference between like what people how the kids imagine war to be and what war is actually like. And so especially towards the end of the book, we have um, the kids getting a front row seat to seeing what war is actually like with whenever Thor Thor's is beating up all the brigands and uh, whenever eventually Thor's is killed and the one kid Ari, as he tries to go and take on Askeladd just gets, (laughs) <laughs> like punched right in the face immediately and just gets dropped. And so like, yep. I'm sure that's cause that was the character who was super excited about the war. And then that's probably like a big, uh, punch to the gut or the face, if you will, <laughs> of like a, like a wake up call of this is like, if you want to be in an actual war, like you're going to have to, you know, wake up, get training. Like that's not like your imaginations of what war is, is like completely, different from what it actually is so maybe he'll turn out to be a very interesting character and uh maybe he'll show up later in the story and help thor finn get revenge because he was a witness as well so that might be interesting to see uh if we want to go back to predictions um but yeah just the reality of war and the difference between what you think it is and what it actually is um and then another theme i saw was the value of family and just because we're getting all of the flashbacks with thor's how he like the reason that he left the battlefield is because he there was that scene where uh he's like Yilva was born and he was being all crude and he's just like i'm gonna go back off to war and then helga's like like screams at him essentially and like you will come back here right now and name this child and so that was the point where he was uh he realized like the importance of his family and after that, I think it said something like he was like he didn't he was afraid to go into battle because if he was killed, then he wouldn't be able to have his family anymore. Um, and then there's also the like the idea of sacrifice, which you talked about in the last podcast, like Thor's is sacrificing his son uh, or sacrificing his life to save his son. So going back to, you know, family and uh, there is no greater love than this. The one lay down his life for his friends. And, you know, that also includes your family and your your blood relatives. So there's some biblical precedent for that as well um yeah i don't know any thoughts on those so far um just uh there's such a disparity between old thors and new thors like right i definitely feel like i don't know if thors is christian but i mean Mm. he's certainly embracing a lot of like christian values and i feel like if he did like he's like if he's you know saying with his mouth that he believes in Jesus um and like he he could be saved like there is definitely a lot of um i think the term would be sanctification um the the cuz so many people are in that mode that thor's is in when we see him uh the younger thor's like this is about like my life is about me doing the things that I want to do. And like these other things that are important to other people, like a baby, that's my own baby. Like they're not important to me. Like that's not 
you know, I feel like people are lost in that, in that place. Um, and then you see just like how loving and, um, how important his family is to him later that he's willing to sacrifice himself. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that, um, God can, um, God uses broken people. Doors was broken. And, uh, I don't know if he accepted Jesus into his heart, but, um, I definitely see like kind of the God will remake you into a new person and, and like through the process of sanctification, which is like the giving up of your sin and the turning from your old ways and knowing that God is the way and the truth and the light and that you need to follow him. Um, and, and that can, that can turn your life around. And I think we see that in Thor's, even if it's not, yeah, you know, Christian, but that's yeah. what happens when you follow God. Yeah. Um, and this, this pastor once said, like, when you're following God, like for the first time, it feels like you're going in the wrong direction. And I didn't fully understand what that meant, but I was like breaking ties with like things that have been such like an integral, like part of my life. Um, like I used to have a mouth like a sailor and now I don't swear like very much at all. Um, mm-hmm. and like I dropped some friendships and yeah, I, I didn't understand it at the time, but like I do, I do see God's blessing in my, in my life. And I feel like I'm trying to build my house upon the rock as it instructs you to do. If you build your house on God's word, like you will withstand more things. You, you won't be your foundation won't be built on the shifting sands. Um, and I feel like I'm trying to build my house upon the rock. Um, so God can do that for you if you're listening. So yeah, follow, follow the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. And we talked about this last podcast, but Leif Erikson seems like he was converted to Christianity. And there's a comment in this story about him talking about communion and they need wine. And he's like, there's a, there's meaning in the wine or something like that in this book. So maybe Leif Erikson converted Thor's. We'll never know. We'll see. Cool. Very good. Um, Another theme I saw in this is just the idea of betrayal. And we see this scene uh, shown in uh, Floki basically betraying Thor's because Floki comes to Thor's village and he's like, Hey, we need you to come to the, uh, to the war. And you know, yeah, it'll be great. You're going to come and you're a really great warrior and we need you. And, um, there was some bit of threatening with it where it's like, you need to come or we're going to like come and kill your people in your village. But it didn't seem like they, it didn't seem like there was any ill intent on the part of Floki. Like he actually wanted Thor's to come to the battle because obviously like Thor's is a really great warrior and would have been a great asset to the, the war efforts. Yeah. And so it's interesting that he, cause Floki obviously knows him from past experiences. And so he knows how good of a warrior he is. So the fact that he would go out of his way to make this betrayal and to have him killed. Yeah. It does point to something that is, there is some probably underlying thing happening with that. Um, whether that was directly from Floki, um, something between Floki and Thor's or something there, maybe there's a superior who is ordering Floki to do this. So there could be something else in the works that's behind the scenes that we're not privy to just yet. Um, 
I feel it feels personal. I don't know yeah. why I feel that way, but I feel like there was something that happened between Floki and Thor's that just kind of made yeah. Floki like not like yeah. Thor's anymore. Yeah, maybe I don't know. And yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Only only time will tell. That's right. <laughs> um, and then the other scene we see with betrayal is Askeladd, who betrays Thor's after losing the duel fair and square. So Thor's challenges him to a duel and he accepts this duel. And even though he loses the duel, he still doesn't, uh, he doesn't honor the, like the, the code of the duel. And if you lose, you're supposed to do what you said you were going to do. And so there's just that, that idea of betrayal. And, uh, you had a proverb here that you had told me about and I, you use this like a certain phrasing and the only phrasing that I could find with that, uh, that translation was the message. So I love the message. I, I like people think it's like Christian light or something. And I just like, I want to know what God is trying to say to me. So I like to read the message first and then I like jump through some others. Like I like ESV and NIV, but like if I want to like get into the word and like, (laughs) feel like I kind of understand what it's like trying to tell me. I like the message. Yeah. So what was your passage here that you picked out for this section? Uh, yeah. Proverbs eleven fifteen. 15. Um, whoever makes deals with strangers is sure to be, uh, to get burned. If you keep a cool head, you'll avoid rash bargains. Um, and that just reminds me of us selling our house. Um, because the people like that we were selling to were strangers and they made the process so difficult and stressful. And, um, like we thought that they were going to be easy to work with and they just like every time, like we were like, Oh, we might be able to like change something or like, you know, or like, and they were just like demanding a lot of things be like fixed and upgraded. And then they're like, well, we don't, we want you to use certain people because we don't want it to cost a certain amount of money. And it was just like so stressful. Um, and then on the opposite side, the, the house that we currently live in and the people we were buying from, wonderful people. Just like, oh, you need us to switch the date of the closing? No problem. The other side was like, if we switch the date of the closing, like we're going to change the amount of money that you're going to get because of the compensation for the housing and all this stuff. And it was like, like, okay, we're obviously not going to talk to you about changing the date. We're going to go to the other side and ask them <laughs> if it's okay. And they're like, whatever you need, like, bring bring your stuff over and, like, leave it in our garage before you own the house. Like, we'll leave you some furniture here. Like, just right. such nice people. Um, but, yeah, this, like, the whole idea of bargaining with strangers, like, like, I never really thought about that. But, like, keep in mind, like, do you really know someone like bargaining with strangers? You know, just, just be, just be aware of that people. Just like, when are you bargaining with strangers? And if you are be, be very wary and very careful. Right. Cause Thor's had never met Askeladd in his life. So, you know, he, him expecting Askeladd to respect the, the code of the duel or whatever, um, might be a little bit naive, uh, on his part, but Maybe he was just banking on like he's a good Nordic Viking like I am, and 
if I would do it, then he should he should do it too. But that was that was the flaw. Just because you would do something doesn't mean somebody else will treat you with the same respect. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the passage I had here was just, you know, the passage of um, Judas portraying Jesus. This is in Mark uh, 14, 43 to 46. And it just says, and immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd of swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given him a sign saying, the one I kiss will... The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. So I just like that picture of Judas is in the middle of betraying the Son of God. And he's and the sign is going to be a kiss, which is like the most intimate form of like friendship between two people. And so just that juxtaposition between an intimate sign of friendship, a kiss, and what the action that signifies is the betrayal. I just like that really uh, crazy uh, juxtaposition. So there may have been, with this book, maybe there was a really good friendship between Floki and Thor's at some point, and then there was some fracture in the relationship, and now there's some kind of betrayal there. So it might be interesting to find out later on. So, yeah. Um, and then finally we had the sacrifice theme, and... Um, I had a passage here, John 15, 9 through 13, and this is just talking about, uh, you know, the sacrifice of Jesus. It says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, I will abide, or you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that in my joy may be in you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, uh, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So classic Christian uh, biblical passage on just like how Christians should act towards one another and uh, just the idea of sacrifice and laying your life down for one of your friends is the greatest form of love. And we see Thor's embody that uh, at the very end of this, very end of this book. So that's, Definitely him embodying some biblical ideals there, as Gabe mentioned earlier. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Any final and thoughts sacrifice. on those? Yeah, I was going to touch on your sacrifice theme here. Just that um, sacrifices can be big and sacrifices can be small, um, but they are signs of love. Um, I think about the times that I respond like, uh, not in the kindest way to my wife after like a long day, just like being short and not willing. Um, and you know, like when I do those things, I am sacrificing, um, like my own comfort or, you know, just like e even those small things, they are signs of love and they are, you know, um, you know, you have to fill up the love bank in, in relationships. You know, I think of, uh, what are the five love languages? Um, touch acts of service, uh, gift giving time, um, quality time. And, uh, <laughs> I can't remember words of affirmation, right? Words of affirmation. Good. Yep. Um, so, um, 
sometimes it takes a little bit more to be that loving and kind person and those are sacrifices that like as you start making them they will like right like you will see returns on the love that you're putting out in those little sacrifices so um even the little ones are important like you don't have to lay down your life like we are not called very often to lay down our life for someone um but there are little things little sacrifices that you make in your marriages and in your relationships that um allow the other person to feel love um and don't forget to do those and and show your love to um your friends and family yeah and show your love to your pets too yeah as i'm doing with (laughs) luther (laughs) If you want to see Luther, you go to the YouTube and watch the video. <laughs> yeah. uh, <clears throat> I hope he's not. I hope you didn't get like an ear full of him purring like halfway through there because he was sitting in between me and the computer purring. So okay, I didn't hear anything, but uh, okay, we'll, we'll see in the final edit if it makes an appearance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll boost the volume so we can hear Luther purring. <laughs> we'll see. All right, uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, yeah, I really loved this uh, this book, and I'm looking forward to reading more uh, Vinland Saga in the uh, in 2023. And uh, the next podcast after this is going to be like a 20 or no, what's the next podcast after this? So these are all coming out in January. Autumn. So yeah, we're gonna yep. be doing the Autumn Republic Part One. So we're gonna be finishing the uh, first Powder Mage trilogy. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to finish that series. Um, looking forward to seeing it's good, how that's going it? to be end. Yeah, I'm just just looking forward to see how everything's going to be tied together and end, and um, where all of the characters, like where their stories are going to end up, and uh, if it leaves room open for um, sequels. Because I know there's a second trilogy, but I'm not sure how many of the characters in this series are going to make an appearance in that series. Uh, so don't spoil that for me. We'll we'll uh, see what happens as I read it, and. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to uh, see where that goes. Uh, we will be reading more Vinland Saga in the coming year. Um, we had a podcast go up um, earlier in at the end of December that was just like a 2022 wrapped and a 2023 plan. So we kind of outlined all of our uh, goals and stuff for the coming year. And so I'll leave a link to that podcast in the description if you want to check out what we're going to be planning to do for 2023 so there's definitely going to be more Vinland Saga and some uh, other books coming down the pipeline uh, more Wheel of Time and some some newer books as well that we're planning to do so yeah looking forward to 2023 and uh, this is Vinland Saga has been a good start to the year for sure for the podcast so uh, yeah I'm excited uh, you can check out Pages of Light on our website, pagesoflight.com, and also follow us on all the social media platforms. Go subscribe on YouTube if you want to see the video version and uh, all the other videos that I've put up on the channel. And if you want to support us, you can go leave a review on the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and I think you can leave reviews on Spotify as well. So go leave a review there as well. And yeah, that's going to do it. Any last thought thoughts, Gabe, on Vinland Saga or 2023 or anything no i'm just looking uh as as this podcast will be released i think i'm looking forward to february and uh starting the third semester of the year means we're getting closer to summer so and uh, also close closer to uh the birth of my son so we will see how this goes (laughs) yeah big year for gabe so 
everybody could be praying for him uh, if you're listening. So give Thorough Gabe up a prayer so everything goes well with that Paul process. So, all right, that's going to do it. Thank you very much for watching or listening, everybody. Remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week. And we will see you guys in the next episode. See you. Bye. Bye.